Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast. I not, am your host. Not Matthew the musical. Rossi. Not the musical. Not the musical. Maybe not the musical. We'll see what happens. Uh, with me this week are my fantastic singing and dancing friends. No, I don't know if they, that's up to them. Uh, okay. Liz Harper and Joe Perez. Liz, do you have we, a song ready? We could be dancing here. You don't know. Exactly. I don't know. My knee hurts too much. Work. I can't dance. <laughs> No matter how many times I reinstall them, there's going to be there's going to be one of these weeks where you're going to say something like that, and I'm literally going to be prepared with my guitar, and I'm just going <laughs> to randomly break out into a song with the acoustic just just because. And that would bother me. Why? I didn't say it would. Okay, uh, but yeah, I'm threatening you for, with a good time. <laughs> yes, I'm like whatever, man. But if you come here to hear us talk about video games, especially but not limited to the ones from Blizzard Entertainment, and especially but not limited to video games, because we do talk about other things like, like tabletop role-playing games or the Weird Al movie, which have you guys seen the Weird wow. Al movie? Uh, I've seen yet. the trailer to it. I've seen the trailer to it. And uh, wow. It's, it's worth seeing. I don't um, know if I'd say it's good, <laughs> but Daniel Radcliffe is, is like, he carries this movie on his back. And it works for the most part. There's places where it doesn't, but it's it's a it's just it is like a Weird Al song version of a biopic where they just made fun of his life for an hour and a half. Can we can we can we just say that it's really nice to see a trend of you know biopic movies being made while the person's still alive? Well, yeah, but also biopic movies being made where the the life of the character in question is not at all represented. Uh huh. This movie does not have anything to do with his life. It, none of this happened except the, the weird parody songs. Everything else <laughs> didn't happen. So because that's yeah. the way that Weird Al wanted it. Yeah, exactly. It's it, it's it's beautiful. Um, but let's get to talking about things. Um, oh, if it, we have to. Lizard Lizard reminded me of the terror zones that are coming to Diablo Two. They're on the PTR right now. And I had forgotten about them, even though I wrote the post about them because it's just been a lot's been happening. It's been a it's it been was- a month. It was last Wednesday. It was six days ago. That's yeah. basically an eternity. Yeah, it's forever Something ago. Was out, 
Yeah, stuff yeah. that comes out that next, like last Wednesday, is literally the stuff that just squeaked past that podcast. <laughs> so, but regardless, uh, to talk about the Terror Zones, Terror Zones are interesting because, in a way, they're sort of Diablo 2's uh, approach to the same thing that Adventure, the Adventure mode, did for Diablo 3, in that they want to give you a variant way to level and gear your character, where you're not just constantly restarting and farming the same bosses over and over again, trying to get specific drops or trying to get enough XP to get to the next level. Cause unlike Diablo three, Diablo two stops at 99 and that's it. That is your level. There's no yep. paragon. So in, but the levels get much harder to get as you go up in them. Like, but getting from like say 97 to 98 is a lot of XP. It's very long. It's grindy. It's hard. Getting to 99 is, is a, is a deal. Like you, you're basically going to be playing the game over and over and over again in order to give people something new. Uh, the terror zones are basically each act has a multitude of zones within the, the map that you're running around in during the act. Um, to give one example in act one, when you're going to the um, monastery, the, the, the rogue monastery, there's yeah. a lot of sub zones in that area. There's just, there's zones all around it. They're like part of the map and they're like, little regions of it. Those zones will be getting basically the equivalent of a, of a world of Warcraft demon invasion from Legion where they'll be getting different kinds of demons, but yeah, demons will be invading those zones and all of the, the demons will be harder. Like they'll, they'll range from two levels above you to like five levels above you. If they're a boss and you'll be going into them on various difficulty levels, whatever your difficulty level is, the monsters will then be that much stronger and in addition to also being higher level than you. So it's a, it's content that will never really become stale. You're not, it's going to be very hard to just outpower it and not be able to play your way through it. The goal is to make it a challenge for players so that they're on their toes. They're not just going in and destroying everything with like ridiculous high gear levels. The, the, these fights will keep your attention for a while. Eventually you will of course outgear them because that's how Diablo works. Uh, you'll eventually get the gear you need. You'll get it possibly, you'll get it equipped properly with proper gems or, ru or rune words or what have you, and you'll, you will destroy things. That, that is how it works, but it will take a while. Uh, so that's, that's the basic gist of the zones. It'd be like, if you're in act four, well, we'll go with act five. If you're in act five, you'll be like trying to get your way through Sesheron to get up to the world stone. And various parts on that path will be where the invasion is happening. Like there can be one right in the ruins of Sesheron, uh, or there could be one in Worldstone Keep. And the demons uh, in Worldstone Keep will be about, beside, like I said, between two and five levels higher. This is all voluntary. If you don't want to do this, you, you can easily not do it. You have to sign in to doing it. You have to actually confirm, yes, I want random demons that are much stronger than normal to just show up in my game and, and you know, once an hour. Um, but that's basically the premise of it. It is on the PTR. Uh, I get to play a little, I didn't, I didn't spend a lot of time in it, but it felt a little overtuned to me. Um, I felt like I was getting really hammered, but I'll be upfront. That could just be that I'm terrible. <laughs> because I'm not really a great Diablo 2 player. I'm a much better Diablo 3 player. Um, I haven't played Diablo 2 nearly as much. I think if you were somebody who focused a lot on Diablo 2 and really knew your build and really knew what you were doing, this would be a fun challenge, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be grueling. It's not going to be like punishing yourself. But if for some reason you're just not enjoying it, you do not have to do this. 
It's completely and utterly, you know, optional, which I think is a great move. Uh, I don't, is there anything else you think you need me to talk about here, Liz? No, I think you've covered it to the best of my understanding. Alrighty. Uh, I just, I love that they're continuing to develop Diablo 2 Resurrected. Like, they haven't just said, okay, here's Diablo 2 Resurrected, and it's exactly like the original game. Hope you enjoy it. They're, like, continuing to make stuff. And I think that's a really interesting take yeah, on a remaster. Absolutely. It's interesting because they put in a lot of stuff that wasn't, that was going to be in the game, but didn't make it in, like, a previous patch, like the, the new rewards. And mm-hmm. now they're just straight up coming up with new content. This is just yeah, a great. new game mode. I am interested to see like how much more of this they've got. Like how many more things like this do we end up seeing for Diablo 2? Um, I know, Joe, you prefer Diablo 2 to Diablo 3, right? I do, actually, quite a bit. For you, this is probably a godsend. This is, well, this is exactly what we talked about, gosh, when we first started talking about classic versus vanilla WoW, right? It's the idea of resurrecting a game and making it playable on current generation hardware I think is important for preservation uh, because so many game companies cough, Nintendo cough, uh, don't do that ever. Uh, I think it's important, but I also think that it's important that if you're going to do that, that you add to those games to make them something that is ongoing because that's, that's kind of what I look for. Like we talk about all the stuff that they add to classic. Wow. All the different like events and seasons of mastery and stuff that they've done. Fantastic. Adding stuff to Diablo two. This is exactly what we talked about when they announced uh, that they were going to do Diablo two remastered. Um, I mean, I think in between my giddy, like shrieks of joy, I, you know, commented that we should have stuff like this. So I'm super excited for it. I'm super excited for, you know, extra things that I can do at max level, which is better than just making SOJ runs. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, you can only farm bail so many times. Before so many times. But moving on, I've uh, got a few things to talk about since, since Joe just lobbed me the ultimate segue. You're welcome. We've got a few things for, for WoW Classic and Wrath Classic to discuss. Um, first, we'll, we'll do the slightly happier news in that the last, the, the zombie plague is now done it was going last week but it's now moved into the scourge invasion portion of the pre-patch event uh which if you played uh original world of warcraft and you remember when uh both when nax came out in vanilla and then when when uh wrath itself dropped while in the middle of, of burning crusade there was the scourge invasion which was like a bunch of these things would show up and they'd invade areas and they'd put up these giant pylons and they'd be, you know, they'd be undead because, you know, the scourge happens to be made of undead. And then I believe Nexoramus itself would float around and just appear over various cities and dump a whole bunch of undead on them. So we're, we're straight up in that phase now, as of today, I believe. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Went live with the uh, server reset, I believe. Yeah. So that's happening on the wild WoW classic servers right now. And it's really cool. And I'm, I'm really excited. Unfortunately, if you play on certain wild WoW classic servers, you don't get to see any of this. Well, because, you, uh, go ahead. You do, but you know, maybe, maybe there are problems. Yeah. Um, but one of the problems that's happening is uh, there's a certain kind of server that, that basically ended up happening because the, the, the technology that blizzard servers use and have used since 2014 is significantly better than the technology they used back when wrath came out. Um, to the point where in one of the uh, posts on the subject, uh, the point was made that the, some of the servers, some of the, the average servers, not super huge ones, have about four times the capacity than any server had during Wrath of the Lich King's original launch. 
They just straight up, even like moderately large servers now are just bigger. They just hold yeah. more people. They have well, more connections. And more connections, the infrastructure is better. I mean, look at yeah. technology is one of those things we talk about sometimes where like I don't think it can be under or overstated the difference that what fourteen years makes at this point. Yep. Mm-hmm. But the other interesting thing is that whilst that is true, that, that the servers are much bigger and much more robust, uh Wrath of Lichkin Classic has utterly hammered Blizzard's WoW Classic servers. It has hammered them hard. Uh, if you play the game on what are called like mega realms, which and are I believe, this, go ahead. I believe those mega realms are Benediction, Grobulus, and Feralina. Uh, in in the North America, I think the EU has their own. Yes, right yeah. yeah, probably so. EU's I would got, assume so. EU's got even more. Um, but if you're on those servers, there you're looking at right now the way things are. The servers are full, like they are completely full. They are full to the point where the queue to log on to one of those servers is not just an hour, but multiple hours. Like, if you... Uh, tr- if you the true like classic want- experience. It really is the true classic experience. Like, if you want to log in for raid night, you need to, like, open your client I, like, five hours early and I made I wrote best. I wrote a bash script to log me into the client while I was <laughs> on my way home from work. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I've I've heard stories about twelve hour queues and about people queuing up, and then it's like they get disconnected for some reason, and then they have to start over in the queuing yeah. process, and Go it's just horror stories. Yeah. yeah, and the thing is, is that a lot of people have been saying stuff like, "Why don't you just put more layers in?" Layers don't fix this because layers are basically just like a split. It's like basically putting another instance of the entire game world onto the server. It doesn't reduce the amount of people on that server space isn't the bottleneck right it's there there's so many other factors like the authentication server um the connection that you're actually connecting to that particular uh server system with is going to be gated as well uh depending on where you're going from in the country and which data center you're connecting to affects that as well um there was a point in time where like the East Coast just couldn't log into the game because it was getting bottlenecked out of level three in Chicago because all traffic from the Northeast passed through Chicago on its way to get to Blizzard servers, like invariably. Like there's um, so many factors. One of the things that they mentioned in this post as to what are the problems is that people quite simply, there's enough room for all these players if people were spread out across the servers mm-hmm. instead of, picking three and deciding that the game's not viable if you're not on one of these three mega realms. Yeah. It's um, certainly player opinion that you have to be on a mega realm to play yeah, because that's, that's where all the people are. You got to be on these realms. Now keep in mind when, when Liz says that, that again, all the people is a lot of people. It's like the, the, but, but here's the thing. He mentioned one realm uh, in the post. They mentioned Sargeras us, which before um, last week and possibly two weeks ago at this point, because his post was a little old. But I, when, hmm? I believe it was Sulfurus. You're Sulfurus? right. Sulfurus. Sulfurus US. You're right. But that realms was one quarter the size of a of a realm from WoW from when Wrath of Lich King first came out. It had like one quarter to one third the amount of players that those realms would have had at the time. After one week in the pre-patch, it went up to four times the amount that a, 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 a Wrath of the Lich King original server would have had. Four times. I, I, I do want to make a point there. That was one of the servers they were allowing free transfers to. So yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That, like you would, you would hope 
that people from these mega realms would go to this realm. So it's not super surprising that but the thing it about, would balloon but, like that. But think about the fact that that's considered manageable. It's yeah. four times bigger than any server was when we were playing Wrath of the Lich King at a time when WoW had 12 million subscribers. So a lot of people are hitting these servers. And they can, as long as the people spread out and are distributed amongst the servers, because the average server is like between 2 to 2.5 times the capacity of a, of a Wrath server. They, they showed, they have a whole chart. But these Mega Realms are like 10 to 20 times. And they're just full. Like just, it, it's not, as Joe said, it's not space. It's not literally how many people can we put on here. It's how many people can actually get on here and stay on here. And it's just, it is astonishing to watch this. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to sound like one of those people who blames them for not seeing it coming. I think they probably did see it coming, but they didn't understand quite how bad it was going to be as fast as it was. Cause that's really hard to gauge. Well, also not only that, but players are traditionally well known for doing exactly what you plan for. This is sarcasm. <laughs> oh man. I sat there for a second and just, I could just see the picture of that little girl with like smiling as the house burns behind her. <laughs> Except it was like, you know, blizzard players. But I mean, it's, it's, it's true though. Like joking aside, like no matter how much you, you plan for, you can never plan for what the community shift is going to be. I was literally just talking about this in terms of like with one with like my best friend in the entire world about like magic, the gathering and card pricing and how card pricing is. You can't plan for it. You can't speculate on it because there are so many factors like what a popular, you know, YouTuber or content provider uh, you know, decides is the hot new hotness. Then all of a sudden this 30 cent card becomes a $40 card. It's the same thing with like video games. You can plan as much as you want for players, especially in an MMO, but eventually they're going to do things that you just, you don't expect or you didn't plan for because some of us do some really weird stuff because we think it's fun. <laughs> and I'm looking at you, Corv. I know you listen. I know for a fact all the weird science stuff you do. There is no way in hell they ever plan for anything that you do. <laughs> but that's also, Liz mentioned something before the show to me uh, talking about this. Um, one of the things is that they actually do things as promotions. And those things change the behavior of the, of the community attempting to interact with the game. Uh, there's a promotion going right now. That if you play the Death Knight starting experience in WoW Classic, if you go to the you know pre-patch servers and you play uh, your Death Knight through the whole starting zone, you will get a mount in the live game. So in addition to all the people who are coming back because they want to play the game, there are people who are just logging in just to get that mount. Oh yeah, 100%. And that's a lot of people added to the already enormous amount of people. And when people are doing this, they're going to ask their friends, oh, hey, what server should I roll on? And their friends are going to tell them, oh, the server I'm on, X. And a lot of those people play on the servers that are already too full. I think Liz has got, has something that I think we yeah. missed here. Uh, yeah, I mean, but it's not that Blizzard isn't doing anything about this, even though they're like, there is not a technical solution. We can't just add more players. We oh, can't no, they just are, add yeah. more layers. They're trying. Um. Well, what they have done is they've stopped all character creation on these realms, and they have blocked all transfers to these realms. You cannot make a character that's, on a mega realm anymore. That's an old trick. That's what they did back. That's again the vanilla experience. Mm -hmm. 
So they've come I remember in with like going from Asjul Nerub to Norganon for that exact reason. Like Asjul Nerub was so full that they were offering us free transfers, and we all went to Norganon. I remember this. This is something that happens. Yeah. So they've stopped all transfers and new characters, and they've they're offering free transfers off of the Mega Realms, mm-hmm. trying to kind of suck players off of these big realms and into smaller realms, so we can balance the population and have a bunch of stable, healthy servers. Instead of like three gigantic servers that no one can predictably log on to. And uh, Blizzard called the solution heavy handed, which yeah. it, it is. This is like you you are hitting this with a big hammer. But, uh, you know, it sounds like they really needed to. Like this was not even time to do this. It was past time to do this because the problem had gotten so bad. Didn't uh, they, they have a... The, the North American realms have a new uh, fresh start realm just started and the yes. EU's getting one this week. Yeah. To the, uh, a new PVP fresh start realm went live in North America today and a new EU, fre- EU PVP fresh start realm is going live tomorrow with maintenance. Yeah. The thing about fresh start realms is they literally mean it. It, you are only able to roll a level one character. Uh, so there won't be any death nights right away. And no one is tra- you can transfer onto that realm. You can't transfer your level, you know, seventy character from Burning Crusade onto that realm. You can re-roll there. So if everybody's starting a new character, it's very attractive for that group because everyone's going to start at level one. There's not going to be any. No one will have any more of an advantage than anyone else. Uh, I think it's a it's a good move, but I think they're going to need way more than that, um, just based on what's going on right now. Uh, I mean, one thing that we don't know is the population of all of the realms. You know, we don't know what the population across realms is. So maybe if they could filter people to these less populated servers, you know, maybe they would have a balance, but it's just about filtering those people over. Yeah, right now, uh, yeah, definitely. It's definitely a case that they need to get people off of the mega realm. Uh, another thing I would point out is they announced closing uh, character creation and transfers to these mega realms. And it was like very, very shortly before they introduced that Death Knight promotion where you play through the starting experience, you get a mount and retail. Wow. Uh, and I'm pretty sure those two things are connected. Like oh, if, they announced the pro- if they announced the promotion and you could still make a character on these overcrowded realms, then that would, that would not have gone well for anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, so that's that's what's going on in, in Wrath Classic right now. Uh, the pre-patch is out. People are playing it, but there's certainly a problem for some things. Uh, I wanted to talk about uh, the Dragonflate beta real fast. Um, last week, I believe the 7th or 8th, I'm not looking at the notes right this second, but I, they, they dropped a bunch of balance changes and class changes and so forth. Uh, I want to let Liz and Joe talk first, and then I'll come in and back clean up. Is there anything you guys noticed that you wanted to mention about what they're doing in the beta in terms of class and uh, spec build um, balance? I mean, they finally uh, put in some paladin class changes in this last build, which, uh, you know, it's not like it's not like changes that were like, oh, this is everything I ever wanted. I'm so happy. Uh, But good changes that uh, I think will encourage build diversity. And one of the big things they did for holy paladins is um, they've changed the pathing down the tree because originally the pathing down the tree, it was really like, okay, you go and invest heavily in the left side or you go and invest heavily in the right side. And, uh, you know, it was real separated like that. 
near and the now it's, meat and all. Yeah, yeah. And it it made kind of it made it hard to have like diverse builds because you had to really heavily invest in one bit or the other to get places. And now it's much more like kind of a diamond pattern at the bottom where it's like you can get this and you can go in two different directions. You can like it. It's just kind of all interlaced where you can uh, navigate around much more easily. And I think that's a really good change. I think they've made uh, and they've added some abilities that I think unlock interesting uh, ideas and possibly interesting builds. I mean, one of the things about beta is they don't do like the final tuning of everything until pretty late. It's like this is what we're playing now is not like completely tuned. Yeah, it hasn't you had know, a numbers pass yet. Yeah, these are not the final numbers. And what works and doesn't work with this talent tree is going to depend a lot on those final numbers. It's always hard to tell. That's going to be and, true for every class. And not only that, but it's also even even at release, they may not be the final numbers. Because oh, they definitely won't be. They they will be making numbers adjustments throughout. I remember going back to Wrath of the Lich King for a second because we were just talking about it. I remember going to Old War and Warrior DPS was in the basement, and they made like several changes, and Warrior DPS went too high. Too, too high. Wait, whoa, whoa, too high, too high. And then they had to bring it down. Um, one of the reasons Mastery exists is because they wanted a tuning rod for that kind of adjustment. So, yeah, absolutely, Joe was correct. Yeah. Just something to keep in mind. Uh, I'm still waiting for other things to get passes. But the thing that I thought is interesting is, uh, at least from the most recent one, I think, is that Evokers now have starter builds available. We talked about this before where there's going to be uh, basically – if you log in and, and create a character and you get to a point where you don't know what to build, you're going to have options available to you to select a pre on one where it's just like, here's your starter build. This will kind of get you where you need to go until you can figure out what you're doing and where you fit and in, into the grand scheme of things. So it's nice to see those starting to hit now. Uh, I'm very curious how that's going to go for every class and every spec and where that's going to wind up, because that's usually what I care about the most is if you are a new player or a player swapping uh, your class for the first time or to a class for the first time, having tools in place to make the transition easier and not alienate you uh, is pretty major. Yeah, I mean, that's also something that's good. Oh, sorry, Liz, go ahead. One one thing about that is like I the other day on the live servers, I logged into my monk for the first time in um, maybe all of Shadowlands. I clearly have not been playing this character and like I have a blank talent slate. I have no covenant stuff. And it's like, I immediately go from the game over to icy veins and it's like, okay, I know you weren't going to give me like the best talent build and you weren't going to give me like the perfect advice, but you give me something to start with. So I'm going to go over here. I'm going to copy everything into the game and then I'm going to play for a while and see how I feel about all this basically. But it's like, Right now, there is that extra step. You either have to figure it out on your own, which you can. You, I could just click things randomly and get there, and that'd be fine for leveling at least. But, you know, I think, I don't know. Do you think, a, what's y'all's opinion? Do you think that a lot of people go and get their builds from sites like Icy Veins and Wowhead? Or yes. do you think more 100%. people? 100%. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I spent so the first seven years of my professional <laughs> WoW writing career writing guys yeah i can't even yes. I, can't, I can't even recollect how many thousands of like that's how i got the job in the first place uh yeah, yeah it's true <laughs> i think that's that's true both of you 
Yeah, that was it's guides. Yeah, people people will want this. People but also, are gonna want it even with the even with them having these builds in the game, people are gonna want it. But the good thing about the builds being in the game is that it will allow you to immediately go and play. Yep. Yeah. Not, you know. Cause like I logged into my monk and I was like, I just don't have time or mental energy to figure this out and do all the reading that I would need to do, even though you could just go and like copy it. I'm like, I don't have the time or energy to figure this out. I'm not gonna play. And that was that. Done. Yeah, I mean, I remember trying to play my monk fairly recently, and Keg doesn't just destroy everything around you in like a three hundred <laughs> foot radius anymore. So I'm like, I don't want to play this. Keg, keg was my thing, man. That's all I ever did was Keg. So yeah, no, it's it is having having something there that will tell you what to do. I think is really good. Joe. You got anything I, else, or Liz? I mean, I think it just it's going to remove some friction in the game, and it's going to mm-hmm. let new players just get started. Especially if you use a boost or something, or you're going back to a character you haven't played in a long time, I think it's going to be great. Even if they're, even if they aren't the best builds, even if they're just mediocre builds, I think it's going to be great and really help people. And that's the thing; like, they don't have to be good builds; they just have to be functional, right? Yeah. They just have to, they have to be at a point where uh, you can go in and play your character even a little bit, and then not have to worry about a thing. So that's people it. can't that's see me good. nodding, but I was nodding. <laughs> Emphatic nodding. Let's go. Uh, Joe didn't talk about shamans, so uh, all this enhancement stuff won't get talked about. I'm sorry, guys. Um, I can't talk about it because I, I have not been playing the shaman on the beta yet. I have not played enhancement the entirety of the last two years. Three years? Yeah, I didn't think so. So, like, it's been elemental, it's been elemental or resto, and that's been it. This is why sometimes I feel like I should like stealth app to your guild as an enhancement shaman, named like you know, uh, or two or something. You know I what? Mean, you- they do, you have want, a better one. they do want another Wind Fury totem. Just say. Yeah. I, you don't have to stealth app. You could just app. And I would be like, yeah, this is my buddy, Matt. He's great. I don't, want, I don't want people to know that. I want people to just take me, <laughs> take me on my coolness of my shaman. You know, you know, like half, half the guild listens to the pot. And I'm just, yeah, man. Yeah, but I won't talk <laughs> much. I actually, seriously, this is a true story. And I'm going to get back to talking about Dragonfly in a second. But I was in multiple guilds the whole time we were working at the other place. And it wasn't until the end of Cataclysm, when I joined the same guild as Anne, that people started to realize that the guy talking constantly on TeamSpeak was the guy who did the podcast they listened. (laughs) Nobody knew it was me until Anne started calling me Rossi all the time. And there was like, Rossi? And like, yeah, that, yeah, I am that. The guy. cover is blown. Yeah, but before that, nobody cared. Nobody knew. But I'm going to talk about warrior stuff because a lot of stuff has actually happened. Uh, the Tons first of stuff. Yeah. First up, each specialization only gets the one damage-based stance based on the one that they should get. Uh, for, like Arms and Fury. Fury gets Berserker stance. Arms gets Battle stance. I understand why they did that. I, I liked having battle stance and berserker stance as an arms or fury warrior, but I get these stances are designed for these specs. So I get why they're doing this. It's a reasonable thing. Um, I don't, I don't really like, I, I don't know how to explain why I like stuff like the tap redone. They've, they've redone. They've added uproar. They put sidearm on the class tree. They've changed the way Liz talked before about how paladins kind of like go extreme left or extreme, right? Warriors were like zigzagging, like a lot of zigzagging, like just over here, then over here. And I, I have to be able to get down these trees both to this point in order to get these abilities. And as a result, I was almost never getting to the bottom of the tree. Like he was just, I can't do fury and not go over into the class tree and get 
uh, two-handed weapon specialization and dual wield specialization. I need both of them. And they're both over there. And that means I'm not going to get to the bottom of that tree because I have to go all the way down the left side and all the way down the right side. So anything that streamlines these these trees, in my opinion, is a good um, there's a ton of changes. Uh, I think, quite frankly, I'm not surprised punishment got taken out. The uh, the execute damage buff, and if they had kept it in, like basically the way punishment was working was your your character would be on execute range for 50 percent of the fight, and that means basically you are executing constantly for half of the fight. And if you did that, you'd have to tone execute way down because it's just doing so much damage, and you don't want execute to be toned down. You execute should feel like it does a lot of damage. It is that kind of move. So having it be like for half the fight, nah, I'm not surprised that got taken out. Um, I'm not not saying they're going to like, they'll they'll come up with something else and we'll see how it works. Arms is pretty strong right now, in my opinion. Um, But they are taking out stuff like improved sweeping strikes got taken out. Uh, Fatality wasn't doing enough damage. So then they've now buffed that. There's quite a bit. Um, Blood instruments got, it, it basically got tuned down because it felt like, you know, we could do this or we could do Warbreaker. There's there's a, a good deal of changes, but ARMS in general is mostly just at this point fine-tuning it, whereas Fury feels more like it needs work. Um, one point that they made here in the notes is that TG Fury Warriors are, they have more abilities that they need to get to be useful. If you want to do damage as a Fury Warrior, you have to like really make sure you get all this stuff um, like Siege Breaker, they took out um, because yeah, I get why they took it out. Uh, Siege Breaker wasn't really doing. People felt like it was just Colossus Smash for Fury, so I get why it's not there. Um, they want to make Annihilator work for two-handed weapons. I think that's a good move. Uh, the choice nodes for Odin's Fury and Ravager—they're probably going to iterate on those. That's also a good move. There's just there's a lot of decent stuff here. A lot of the talents, the changes they've made are good changes. Um, cruelty change is good. In general, I feel cautiously optimistic about this. Protection didn't get a lot in this particular patch. They, they said another, the next one's going to get more for protection. Right now, protection's in a decent place. I definitely think it needs some more stuff. Um, I'm not really liking Skull Banner, quite frankly. I don't feel like Skull Banner is doing what I wanted it to do, uh, which is to really change up how Prot works. And... Like they're they're putting that in, and I, I, they're taking Never Surrender out too, which is like okay, I, I like Never Surrender, but whatever. But Revenge is now going to have a hundred and ten degree cone from its ninety percent degree cone now, because it needs to basically they want to make it so you can target with it better. A lot of times it looks like you should be hitting stuff with Revenge, but you're not, and that's a change they made. Um, Storm of Steel, which got matted into to increase Ravager's damage, I mean to decrease Ravager's damage, but up its charges so you can use it more often like you could theoretically hit ravager drop it in a group get them all being hit by the axe and then in like 20 seconds throw another ravager as new more ads stream in that's pretty good Uh, i like that change but we'll see more in general warriors are getting there i wouldn't say they're there yet but they're getting there i i feel more optimistic that this will at least have a few good builds when it goes live so that's pretty much all I really have to say about what they've been doing. There's PVP changes, but I have not touched them. <laughs> I, I, I have not PVP'd at all. Um, so, yeah. And I haven't done enough of the profession stuff. The UI changes are nice, but there's nothing here that you haven't. They added raid frames and, and boss frames to the edit mode. That's good. 
I like that. Keep doing that kind of thing. But uh, I think that basically we, that's a decent amount of coverage on on Dragonflight right now. You I, guys are, I will note that we have not had a new beta build this week, and I know mm-hmm. like all the Paladin changes they post about did not go live in last week's build. So I'm really curious to actually see them in action. I don't know if the Shaman changes actually went into last week's build or not, but I know the Paladin ones didn't. Um, we should see a new build this week. We just don't know exactly when. Probably tomorrow, but we'll see. And by tomorrow, I mean Wednesday the 14th, if you are listening to this later. So you may be listening to this and it'll already be live and this mention is completely irrelevant. Enjoy. It's a Doctor Who episode, guys. <laughs> um, but I, I do want to say, okay, uh, I, I, I have been lax in Hearthstone coverage and I admitted it the other podcast. So I tried really hard to find new stuff for podcasts to talk, for uh, Hearthstone to talk about. I found only the, the, the hotfix patch notes from last week. Liz, is there anything on this you want to talk about? Um, yeah, I do have a couple of things to talk about, which are sort of related Excellent. to this. I will be right back. <laughs> Go get a drink of water, get something to eat. Yeah. I know that <laughs> feeling. Um, but yeah, Hearthstone has been kind of, it's pretty normal for them to do kind of balance updates and they did a big balance update a couple of weeks ago. And now this is a smaller balance update, adjusting, you know, a few cards in ways that I think are going to hit the game pretty hard. Wild heart guff, who is the druid hero card is getting a nerf, which I am personally glad for because I didn't have the cards to build that druid deck. And I was just getting my butt kicked every time I saw it. Uh, So, you know, and I think Hearthstone tends to make, you know, little changes. It's not like the card goes from being amazing to being completely worthless most of the time. But, you know, they make little adjustments to try and bring different decks and different classes more in line. And I think for the most part, these sound like good changes. Uh, one thing I did want to talk about that sort of ties into this is deck building in Hearthstone. Because one of the things I've had trouble with since that big balance patch I was playing kind of a control evolve shaman. And uh, in the big balance patch, they did a few things to kind of bring shaman down because they were sort of dominating for a while. And since that patch, it's like I have my old shaman deck and I just get smashed every time. And I've gone through the list of meta decks and I've tried to build them. And it's like, oh, I'm missing this key card. I'm missing that key card. I'm missing this other key card. And like basically, I have not come up with like a decent deck to do quests with since the uh, since the big balance change a few weeks ago. And it's it's one of the aspects of Hearthstone that I find most frustrating because building a deck is a significant effort. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the big meta decks, they require very specific card combinations. And a lot of those cards are going to be rare, epic legendary cards that you may not have like from the latest set i have every com- every um common and rare card i believe i hope i have those names right but i don't have every epic or every legendary because those are a little harder to come by so there are a lot of decks that i just cannot make and those key components just don't work so i can spend you know, hours fiddling around with decks and looking up decks and importing deck lists and all of that and still not come away with a deck that I can get some consistent wins at, even at my really low Hearthstone rating. (laughs) Uh, So I did want to talk to you a little, Joe, about 
is it are are most card games like this? Is you know you play a lot of Magic the Gathering. I have not played Magic the Gathering since middle school, uh, so my knowledge is a little out of date. But is I mean, is this just something you can't get away from in card games? Is it always going to be like a big headache to build a deck? So what is deck building like in Magic? Is it as much of a hassle? Uh, It depends on who you ask. I don't think it is. Um, But there are a couple factors that I will just kind of specify. There are different formats for Magic where um, Hearthstone really kind of has what Battlegrounds and that it has like essentially standard play where like and then they have legacy play where like it's like the de- decks that can be from cards from any any set right i mean it has a couple of different kinds of, there's like ranked play which is kind of required to do some quests in the game mm-hmm. some quests require you to do ranked play and that does put you up against competitive players you have a rating and you it matches you to players with kind of your skill level uh there's wild where you can use just any cards and that's uh, usually more difficult because there's such a range of cards available. And then there's um, unrated, which is just eh, go play casual stuff. But some quests you can't do in unrated play. Yeah, and so- then there are battlegrounds and mercenaries, which are just off, cool. not related to this at all. Yeah, they're cool little fun uh, off, off game modes. So deck building and magic is is governed by several different rules, just like Hearthstone is. And this is where I find the biggest differences. I actually don't find deck building in magic difficult in what the most played formats right now, which are uh, what are called pioneer uh, modern, or you could also go with uh, what's standard. So standard is what most people used to play back in the day. It's the, the most recent sets over the last two years. It's very similar to how Hearthstone does it. The big, the big thing is, the difference between Hearthstone and Magic is Magic allows you more wiggle room. And it's because you have to plan your resources as part of your deck versus your resources are just given to you. And that's a ah, huge true. variance between the two. Um, this is one of the things that I always found a little frustrating with with Hearthstone and deck building was one, the deck size, uh, which I remember way back when we were talking about it and I, we got to talk to uh, some folks that worked on it. Uh, and like the, the mentality was, you know, in magic, you build a 40 card deck and you put 20 lands into it. So why don't we just cut out the lands and you build a 30 or 40 card deck? And mm-hmm. I understand that, but also not everybody built decks with those things. Like, so like I have a, a deck that I'm building right now that's comprised of nothing but common and uncommon cards. Uh, and it's a 60 card deck, but it only has 17 lands in it. So it's. Mm. So I can have more of some of the cheaper stuff that I'm putting into it, into uh, as far as like actual actionable cards. Um, I can have a turn in that deck where I can play six or seven cards because of that. Uh, in Hearthstone, you what's the most car- the most number of cards you you played in a turn? Ooh, I mean, it depends. Sometimes you can get away with playing uh, quite a lot because there are zero cost cards. There are cards that reduced mana costs, like uh, in the Shaman deck I was talking about, I had a bunch of Murlocs, and Mm -hmm. there was a particular Murloc you could play, and when you put him on the board, he has an effect that reduces the cost of your other Murlocs. So you can easily throw like four Murlocs down on the board, particularly if you also have a card that doubles battle cry effects. So you would put down, you get your card that doubles your battle cries, you put down that Murloc that reduces battle, reduces Murloc costs, and then you like throw down like three or four Murlocs. And you can do things like that in a round, but it's not kind of like, 
naturally not something you would do. And there are decks that, like you were talking about, focus on low-cost cards, and you can throw out a bunch of those. And sometimes those decks do really well. Uh, A zoo deck, which you just throw down tons of tiny creatures and buff them. So that's possible. Yeah, but I think the other and the other interesting thing is how they limit deck building too. So you can have how many copies mm-hmm. of a card in a deck in Hearthstone? Only two. So and I, if it's if it's a legendary, you can only have one. That is what I found the most limiting, right? Because it to me, and this is just my opinion, comparing the two, mm-hmm. it makes Hearthstone a less consistent game when you build your deck. Because if you have thirty cards, you never know when you're going to draw your legendary card unless you have a way to like fetch it or get it out of the deck if there's some way to cheat it in or power. Um, but they are two very different games, right? Um, yeah. Especially with like hero powers and things like that. That makes a big difference. But mm-hmm. I always found deck building in Hearthstone frustrating because of that limitation. Like yeah. having only two of a card or only one of a card and that being your limitation when your deck is only, you know, 30 cards, 40 cards, I don't know what I'm drawing. I feel like I'm For lack of a better term, I find deck building to be frustrating because I don't have I don't feel I have direct control over the consistency of my deck. Whereas if I'm playing a 60 card deck and I can have four of a card and it doesn't matter, there's no limitations like I can just have four Mm -hmm. of a card. I can make my deck do things more consistently. Right. So it's 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 give or take. I don't find deck building in other games as frustrating as I do in Hearthstone. It actually has been my largest gripe with Hearthstone for years is just deck building doesn't feel good. And there was a question in chat about, you know, if they don't change the meta, how do you get people to buy more stuff? (laughs) I mean, magic has what are called eternal formats and I'm going to use them as an example, just because it's the one I'm most familiar with. And those eternal formats are modern pioneer and commander and, and legacy, but that's a more expensive hobby, but those sets don't change as far as things don't rotate out, just new things come in. So as new sets release, you just get more cards to add to it. And one of the things that I thought was interesting when I go to events is I went to this huge, massive event in Rochester for uh, a qualifier. And during that event, I saw more variants in decks in one place than I have in years. And in any location, I found people making wacky combinations of cards that people wouldn't have considered, but because they can do it and they can combine a card from 2013 with a card that just released in 2022, uh, to make some weird and wacky effects, it sort of bred that creativity and they were able to get those sort of engines going. So you can encourage people to spend money and participate without having to forcibly change the meta all the time. And that's not to say that they never like ban cards or things like that. Um, but Hearthstone also has the has an advantage here too. They can adjust cards on the fly, right? Yeah. It's not and a And they print- do. And they do. It's it's not a printed material that they have to recall and then re-release or anything like that, which magic has done. Magic has actually reprinted cards uh, and like put it back out into the wild between print runs because rules changed, but it's expensive. Hearthstone can just flip a couple switches. I'm oversimplifying it, but it makes the game a little easier for them to balance on the fly. So it's a give and take. Right. But I also think there's something to be said about, you know, giving your players a little, little control in their consistency. Yeah, and Hearthstone does have cards that will help you draw the cards that you want. I guess what I feel like is that Hearthstone tends to pretty quickly settle into a meta oh, where yeah. there are certain yeah, there are certain decks that are just these are and, the decks you play, and if you don't have one, 
And, yeah. that, and that's everywhere, right? Like, so like even no matter what game it is, there's always going to be meta, whether it's a card game, Hearthstone, whether it's yeah. magic, whether it's, you know, uh, flesh and blood or any of those other ones, like even a magic, like those formats have what are quote unquote a meta. And it's just like, okay, well, let's take a look at what people are playing and what the success rates are. And that becomes, you know, that's what the, the current uh, popular meta is, right? Uh, the difference yep. is, is Hearthstone has direct control over what those meta become, mm-hmm. right? And I also feel like kind of budget-friendly decks that use le- uh, cards with less that aren't very rare are kind of difficult. I mean, because mm-hmm. it's always those legendary cards that are hugely powerful, and a meta deck might have like, you know, five, six, seven legendary cards. And that's, that's a lot. That's, that's huge. That is huge. And that's and that's another problem that I, I kind of had with it as well, is legendaries felt disproportionately good to like, the common cards yeah. like I'll, I'll give you the the deck i'm building for magic the total deck the cost of the deck is 22 dollars. that's it 22 dollars okay. in cards in real life that's dirt cheap i have beaten what we call five color money pile with this deck fairly consistently five color money pile is like a thousand dollar deck <laughs> so like mm. because you can do things with common and uncommon and cheap cards that can compete with it and i think hearthstone would benefit from having to balance that allow that to be a little more commonplace. And I think that would increase the joy of deck build versus fretting over you if you have the exact legendaries you need. Yeah, and of course the thing in Hearthstone, you can't directly say, okay, I want this card, I'm going to buy it. Mm-hmm. Sort of, sort of. You're buying card packs and those are random. Even though you have duplicate protection, which makes and it dust. easier to get. Yes, and you have, uh, if you get cards that you already have you can turn them into dust and you could use dust to craft new cards so i could go out and like craft these legendaries that i don't have except uh you know it takes a lot of dust to craft so you have to get a lot of duplicate cards and disenchant them into dust in order to get there and it's just specifically for kind of the everyday player i worry that this is just this is too challenging. And I think it's one of the things that makes uh, Hearthstone Battlegrounds really a popular game mode because you can just go in and play it. And you don't have to spend, you know, an hour figuring out a deck. You can just play. And I agree. Like, that's that's a huge thing, too. And I think that's why um, I don't want to say, like, meat space card games, like the ones we play in, in, in offline uh, are they have that advantage, right? Like, I can meat go. Space. Uh, force a habit. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an internet oh, child God, from the late sandwich. '90s, early 2000s. Uh, but like, you could go to a store and buy an individual card. You could go online and buy an individual card, and like, and and you can go ahead and put that in your deck. You can know exactly what you're looking for, and you get a one to one correlation versus what you're talking about with like having that the sort of like buying packs. Here's luck. Do I have enough dust to do it? Um, it's it's real tricky. And then you have also the obfuscation of using a separate currency versus, you know, real money and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of hurdles, but I, I think if they allowed you to more easily get individual cards, uh, I think that would also lessen the burden of deck building, probably make it a little more fun, a little more interactive. So I will say one thing for one thing that's good with the Hearthstone team is when they do nerfs like this, Mm-hmm. Usually, when you disenchant a card, you do not get the same amount of dust it would take to craft a card of the same quality. You get, I don't know, it's like half, I think. So you disenchant, but you don't get enough uh, dust to immediately craft another card. 
So like if I had a legendary and I disenchanted it, I would I would need to disenchant two legendaries to make a legendary that I wanted. Uh, but after Hearthstone does balance changes like this and makes nerfs, you can decide, oh, my deck isn't going to work. I don't want this card anymore. And you can disenchant it and get a full refund of the dust it would have cost. So, you know, if I have this guff card and I'm running this really awesome druid deck and I think, oh, this isn't going to work now that they've nerfed it, I can take guff, disenchant him, and immediately make a new legendary that will and, fit in the updated meta. And that's a huge benefit to Hearthstone. We talked about that yeah. last time where, like, that's something that Magic the Gathering Arena doesn't have. You cannot get rid of duplicates. Uh, you cannot craft uh, you can craft cards, but you use wild cards to do it versus like a dust system. So like you, and you only have so many of them and you only get so many of them at a time, which makes it really grindy and really difficult to like get individual cards in that digital format. And Hearthstone has a huge leg up in that regard. I give them all the props in the world for that. I just, I kind of wish it was a little more forward, I guess would be the best way to, to, to phrase it. So they're easier accessible for newer players. Yeah. That's what I, that's just what I worry about, that this is too inaccessible for new players, because like, at the beginning of the expansion, I buy a lot of packs. And uh, then throughout the expansion, I spend uh, gold that I earn, which is an in-game currency you can earn by gameplay instead of spending money. And I buy more packs. And it's like, I put a fair amount of time and effort into getting cards and I still don't have the cards I need to build some of these really powerful decks that could be competitive. Yeah. I feel like this is a good segue to the thing that I don't know how much we'll actually talk about it, but it is certainly related. Uh, Marvel Snap, the uh, online TCG, is launching from its beta state into its release state on October 18th. And uh, our Ted actually posted a, a thing about it and linked my original tweet where I said, oh, it's Hearthstone, but Marvel? Okay. <laughs> and then, of course, 20 minutes later, I came back in and said, oh, it's not Hearthstone at all. He didn't link that one. No, of course not. He just, he just linked the first one. Uh, but regardless, so that's coming out. Um, I, when I've watched it get played, one of the things I really find interesting about it is how fast it is. Yeah. It does I, not play like Hearthstone or Magic or any other card game I've seen. It goes, it goes screaming it's, by. It's it, it's fast. It's also got an element of gambling to it that is, uh, well, I shouldn't say gambling to it like that, like a bad thing. I mean, it is a good thing. The, it's, it's like, yeah, but there's, the bar, there's like it's almost like the anti system. Like a, yeah, yeah, it's almost like a like a poker game happening while you're playing this TCG. Yeah, which I really like actually. Yeah, if they were it, gambling is bad when it's like causing people to like you know end up losing their house because they're just trying to get that last golden dunk. But it's not bad when it's just a card game that has an element of chance to it because that means that the you can't just overpower everything by just having the most powerful deck. Period. It's that's not how the game works. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I, th- I think it's really interesting. Um, but nine, none of us, Ted's not here, and none of us actually play it, I don't think. Uh, no, so, I haven't I haven't been able to yet. So uh, I will say it's by Second Dinner, who is which is the company started by Ben Broad. Um, so I'm pretty sure there's going to be some really amazing trailers for upcoming, you know, new decks and patches and so forth as they come out. Um, but, yeah, that's that's coming in October. Uh, we're in One September. of the things... One of the things about Snap that brings me real joy is the card art. There's yes. so much card art and it's all amazing. Well, and it just brings me back to this nostalgia of collecting like Marvel trading cards. And I love it. So fun, fun, it fun, fun segue with Ben Brode though. Like he plays magic, right? So he's, he's been popping yeah. up in, in, in 
a lead up to Marvel snap on a lot of like content creation stuff that I watch one. He's an absolute charm on those shows. So Brent wrote, if you happen to listen to this, I just want to play cards with you, man. Like you're, you're, you're neat. <laughs> uh, but to like the art, like you mentioned the art, he specifically has talked about that every single time he's been on is like, that's one of the reasons he likes card games in particular is some of the really, really rad fantasy art and, or just art in general that you'll find only on cards, right? Like it's, you can do some really cool stuff. And now with things like Hearthstone and like the digital card experience, that's, um, I believe started with hex. I'm actually going to give credit for, which was a, uh, a cryptozoic product way back in the day after they got done with the, the, uh, the work, uh, wow. I cannot talk the Warcraft, Warcraft <laughs> the Warcraft TCG. It's been a day. I've talked a lot more than I usually do folks. Um, but like with Marvel snap, like you get that really cool, like punchy comic art, but then they can do other stuff like add extra layers that they couldn't do on like flat 2d printing or have animation if they wanted to, like it opens up so many possibilities and it's super, super rad. And I love hearing him talk about it because like you could see how genuinely excited he is about the art. So super, super there for it. Sorry. No, I, I, one of the coolest things I have is a piece of art that was drawn of one of my characters. Same. For the WoW TCG. Same. So yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. I, um, I, I remember the but, story behind how I got that card made. We'll tell that one day. <laughs> at this point, though, uh, we are pretty much out of time. So we're not going to get to do any questions and such, which is unfortunate. But we'll, we'll push them forward and I'll have them for next week, which is nice. Because uh, sometimes I'm desperate and can't find any. Uh, but yeah, I think that's basically going to be doing it. So at this point I turn and stare at Joe expectantly with a puppy like look of, of <laughs> you know, what's coming now, Joe, when you can do the thing, do the thing, Joe. I am a sucker for a puppy dog face. Blizzard watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzard watch. Your continued support means this podcast sighting community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast with a queue, and an ads-free site experience. Uh, thank you, Joe, and thank you also to Liz for being here and helping keep this show on track, uh, and both of you for talking so much during that last bit, because <laughs> my throat's been going out for about half an hour, so that was really useful. I think Liz and I could have um, probably gone for longer. Yeah, I know. Oh, easy. Easy. Uh, but. You know, again, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if you have a question for the show, you can send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch so we know it's for the show. Or you can go to our Discord and go to the Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel and ask there if you're a patron. And if not, there's the Podcasting Q Questions channel. You can go ask there. And I think I got it wrong. I think it's Q and Podcast. Yeah, it's Q and Podcast. Uh, but like I said, can barely talk right now. Anyway. Thank you guys so much for being here with us. Uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast, and we will be back next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.